You're listening to GBA's audio education series with me, Tiffany Voorhees. And me, Ryan White. This series came about when we discovered some really great audio education content on the geoprofessional.org website, known as GBA. Since Ryan and I are members of GBA and both part of their podcast committee, we quickly realized that this content needed to be shared via podcast. The content we found was designed for one-on-one listening by field representatives and as material to spur discussion during formal training sessions. GBA uses dramatization and professional actors to set the scene for situations you will encounter in the field. But wait, there's more. Tackling topics like effective report writing or duty of care can be... A little boring? (sighs) Yes, but let's not get too punny. While GBA did a great job of telling engaging stories around these tough topics, Ryan and I add some personal lessons learned from each of our many years of experience in the industry, both as field reps and technical leaders. That makes us sound old. Well... Every time we talk, I feel like I have some ridiculous large initiative going on. It's funny how different our worlds are right now. That's the story of your life. This week, my department, we did our strategic plan. So that was pretty exciting. So that was fun, canceling last minute travel and everything and deciding to go virtual. Went ahead and did that and it went extremely well. So I'm pretty excited about that. We did a five hour planning session after the prior night having gone through a few things together over a couple beers. So it was excellent. And we have some initiatives for our department to try to knock out in the next 90 days. So I'm excited. So I feel like this is awesome conversation. And I feel like we're both kind of trying to avoid this extremely difficult (laughs) topic of today's episode on standard of care and duty of care. How about you? To put it in kind of a real world scenario is awesome. It's not a super exciting topic, regardless of how important it is. Yeah, it's not. And it's also a very difficult one to break down and make easy because you expect the law to be black and white and it's not. And that's, uh, I talked to our company attorney about this and I was shocked how gray this subject is even when things go to trial. It's kind of crazy. So we got to play the episode here so that people hear it. But before we do, my thought after listening to this several times is my advice to listeners don't get caught up in standard of care and duty of care it's really really not important to distinguish them at all so what our attorney said is basically their joint elements of four to determine negligence so you really don't have to understand in depth the difference between the two and spend time thinking about that so just listen to this awesome acted episode and take it for what it's worth hey look out sorry about that kid traffic gets worse every day i don't know i'm kind of used to it i don't think i'll ever get used to it did they even have cars when you were a kid hey keep that up tyler you're gonna walk to the job site you know i'm teasing you You know, I've been thinking about the stuff we were talking about the other day. About me being the professional and so on. And you have questions. Yeah. 
You're telling me that I'm the professional on site, and I don't know if you're just blowing smoke or what, you know, to make me feel good. But I'm not a professional. Not really. Well, let me ask you something. You go out on site, you run a compaction test, or you look at rebar, whatever it is you do. Doug Downs P.E. signs for it, right? Right. So he takes full responsibility for it. Right. Why? What do you mean? Why is he willing to do that? Why is he willing to put his name on your work? He's taking a chance. What if you screw up? Uh, I guess he trusts me. Yeah, he does. But why? Because... because he knows I do a good job. That's right. Now let me ask you this. Could he do a better job than you? But he can do so much more than I can. Ah, Tyler, that's not the point. The point is, could he do what you do better than how you do it? Hmm, maybe. Really? Well, I think I'm pretty good at what I do. Okay, I don't think that Doug could do it any better than me, but like I said, he can do a lot more than I can. A lot more than you can, too. I know. And that's why we don't do more than what we're trained and authorized to do. Doug's willing to take responsibility for that. But he doesn't want us doing what we're not as good at. Because then he'd be responsible for something that maybe wasn't done right. So what we do, we do just as well as the professional would do it. The professional can do a lot more, but we don't do that. Because that's the stuff we can't do well enough. The professional bakes a pie, and we bake a slice. Now you got it. But don't think too small, either. What does that mean? You want a, you want a cup of coffee? I'd love one. Stop at Wanda's? You bet. So, what did you mean by saying I shouldn't think too small, either? Well, your responsibility goes beyond just looking at how they're building something or running this test or that. You also pick up the professional's duty of care. Duty of care? What's that? The number one client of any professional is the public. Professionals like Doug are licensed to preserve and protect public health, safety, and welfare. It's a duty of care. We have it, too. Doug has to meet what's called the standard of care. Charlie, I'm getting real confused. Bear with me. Really, it's not that tough. Okay, I'm listening. The standard of care is the care that professionals ordinarily apply to whatever it is they do. They're not expected to be perfect, but they are expected to do things right most of the time. They're expected to do what just about all of them do. That seems reasonable enough. All right, Wanda's. The duty of care simply means that you have to do the right thing, not only insofar as your client is concerned, but also with regard to others. you got to meet the standard of care for everybody, not just your client. For example? Okay. Suppose someone says, hey, look the other way when it comes to the rebar that's supposed to be here, but it isn't. You have a duty of care to the public to the people you know could wind up being injured because of shoddy construction tactics. So to implement that duty of care, you don't look the other way. That's what a professional would do, and that's what you gotta do. So, on top of everything else that would be wrong about that, it would be a professional violation, I'd be violating my duty of care. Or, hey, I got it. Hi, Wanda. Hey, Wanda. Hi, boys. Two regulars? You read our minds. Well, I always did like short stories. Wanda, I love you. Anyway. So anyway, Doug has a duty of care because he's a professional. And I pick up that duty of care when I'm on site, and I'm expected to know what's right and wrong and act accordingly. Exactly so. What about safety? Well, when people are depending on you, you have a duty of care. 
Yeah, my own people. But what happens when I see someone else heading for a problem and the supervisor doesn't give a damn? I can't be a cop out there. Here you go, fellas. And Charlie, you know I was only funnin', right? Wanda, I keep coming back, don't I? No, you can't be a cop. And no one's asking you to be a cop or an OSHA inspector or anything else. But supposing you see a situation where someone's about to get seriously hurt or even killed, you just can't turn the other way. In a case like that, you have a duty of care. There's a bunch of our guys need help on that, Charlie. Me too. We need to know what we should do in one case or another, and right now we're kind of on our own, and that's not a good situation. Oh, I know. We're starting that training in two weeks, so you all know what to do and how to do it. And you know you even have a duty of care to yourself, in the sense that if you see conditions are a little squirrely or if you're unsure, either you get yourself off the site or you at least call in to report and to get instructions. How should a professional do it? That's what you have to ask yourself. You know, I can probably think of about 20 situations where I don't know the answer to that. Well, that's going to be part of the training. What should we do when we see this or hear that? It's all about our duty of care to do the best we possibly can. That's all part of being professional. We have to do what we do just as well as any professional can. And there's really a lot more to that than meets the eye. So we have to go out and learn so we're better prepared and equipped. There's a lot of responsibility that comes with this job, Tyler. Right now you're working on any number of smaller projects, but even so, when someone buys the house you've been working on, they'll put their life savings into it, and they're depending on you to have done things right. You get to work on some pretty big stuff, too, like major retaining walls, maybe a dam or two. Duty of care is a lot more than words. It certainly is, and a lot of people over many years expect the field representative to do it right. Next, we'll discuss effective reporting techniques, because if you can't report properly, you might just as well not have been there at all. Hey, Ryan. What's up, Tiffany? Before we start bantering about this episode, I figure we should probably tell everybody what GBA is. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that. You have to tell them what GBA stands for, because it's a mouthful. Come on, geoprovisional. See, I can't even say it. Geoprofessional Business Association isn't that hard to say. See, you almost stumbled there, didn't you? I totally did stumble. (laughs) And I think geoprofessionals is probably something people don't know what that means. But if you're in geotechnical engineering, environmental services, COMET, GBA is something where you can get a lot out of it. But what is that? What is a lot? What, What do you get from GBA, Tiffany? It's a bunch of professionals really willing to share their stories and their resources so that we can all make each other better in the industry. That was kind of foreign to me when I got exposed to it. Yeah, I had heard about GBA, but until I really got engaged and involved on committees, I didn't appreciate everything that GBA had to offer. And for me, the interaction that you talked about, making connections with other professionals in your field um, across the U.S. has been something that to me is probably more valuable even than everything else GBA provides. For sure. That's where we met. See, GBA is awesome just for that. But where you really, really get the best from GBA is by becoming a member firm, attending conferences and networking with your peers. So that's what I love about it personally. And it's not just geoprofessionals because like we've mentioned, I don't have anything to do with dirt. So we're going on and on about GBA. Yes, we love it. Learn more at their website, geoprofessional.org. But 
how about we jump into our opinions on this particular episode now? Sounds good. Let's do it. Well, I'm glad you preempted that with the statement about standard of care and duty of care. That was something that required me to listen to this episode more than once. To be honest, I've never heard the term duty of care until now, but the idea of standard of care has been drilled into me since I started doing geotechnical engineering. So I think until you told me that, I had tried to differentiate between the two, and I understand what you're saying, that that they're essentially one and the same because you can't really talk about one without talking about the other. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but if I'm following the standard of care, then I am meeting the duty of care, right? That is a great question. And I don't know that that is always true because there are standards, but then your duty as to when you have to incorporate them can change. So if the, if the duty for engineers, I don't remember what this is called. It's like some sort of motto, but do no harm, right? So if, if that's the basis for all your decisions and all the things you do, and you're doing that by following the standard of care, in that case, you would be meeting the duty of care because the decisions you're making are in line with protecting you know, life and property. That sounds very reasonable. Sound reasonable. Wait, this is probably a good time to throw in a disclaimer that we're not attorneys and this is not legal advice and they should probably consult somebody, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) I like it. So, hey, here's one kind of takeaway that I got from one of my conversations I had on this. I didn't, you know, you're great about reaching out to staff and getting those stories. I went this time to our president at SME and to our company attorney and kind of just interviewed them. Um, as to what the heck are these things? When have you run into it? When does it cause trouble? And what do new field staff need to know? And one of the things that I thought was a great takeaway is basically as professionals, we always have a standard of care that dictates how we do our job, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, common law duties say that you have to drive respectfully. That's every person who has a driver's license, right? Don't be a jerk, but professionals are held to a higher standard and you need to act in a reasonably similar way to another similar professional. So I think that's what we really have to keep in mind is you as a field rep at your level have to act in a reasonably similar way to somebody else at your level with your knowledge would act. So basically, you can make mistakes, you can have errors, but where your decisions reasonable is what will be discussed in court if something goes there. Yeah, that, I keep going back to your comment about everyone thinks the law should be black and white, but anyone who's ever read a, a contract for the, for the work we do know that it feels like they do everything they can to make it completely unclear and definitely standard of care. I don't even know if those words are used in contracts now that I think about it. I don't know, but through all of this and and we're talking like it's wishy-washy, but it is. I mean, when it gets down to it, this is gray stuff that's going to be interpretation when it goes to court, right? And attorneys fully understand that. 
defining whether or not somebody was reasonable is already hard. And then defining it for people who don't understand that field to begin with, that's extra hard. Yeah. And the, the example that I had was there was a presentation at a conference. They were talking about standard of care with the idea being, you know, are you doing what someone of your same level or the same providing the same service as, as your company in that area would do. And the example they used was related to you know, liquefaction as a result of a seismic event and how he had examples of reports from multiple consultants, all of which were public record, right, that calculated liquefaction settlement all completely differently. So what is the standard of care in that area for the practice of geotechnical engineering for evaluating liquefaction if everybody is doing it differently. And the basis for that standard of care is, you know, what is a reasonable person in your position in this area doing at that time? So I think one more way that kind of becomes gray. I mean, what if, what if you think you're doing your work to the highest level, but everyone else is doing it different, maybe to a lower level? Are you then above the standard of care or outside the standard of care? It's not clear to me how that would be interpreted, whether, you know, positive or negative. You know, that's a great point, and that actually reminds me of one of the stories that um, I believe it was our president told us. Well, not necessarily a story, but just something he's learned, right? He He's worked across the country as a geotech, and he explained proctors. He said, in Michigan, doing a modified proctor is a regular practice, but in North Carolina, it's not accepted. Therefore, that has become the standard in Michigan if you try to go do that in North Carolina, people are going to say, you didn't know what you were doing. We don't do that around here. We don't have comparable results. So not only do you need to know the standards, you also know need to know regional variations, right? Because we're professionals and we're expected to understand the area and location we practice in. That's interesting because we've had this conversation internally for various reasons, usually because municipalities all have different standards. And sometimes that's different than the state when it comes to proctors I'm talking about. And there's the AASHTO test methodology, so the AASHTO T99 and AASHTO T180, which are roughly equivalent to the ASTM 698, which is the standard proctor, and then the 1557, which is the modified proctor. And there always seems to be a, a wide variation in who specifies what and to what percentage. So, yeah, that's that's an, a good example of not not even regionally is that hugely different. I mean, even within a region, that, that can vary significantly. So that's a good example. We've been in this field for a long time, and we understand and know some of those variations and still get caught off guard. So imagine expecting field staff who are newer and green to know these things, right? That would be crazy. That's not the expectation. I think that big takeaway is what would somebody in your position reasonably do? And that's what people have to remember. So for your role and your position, you just need to do your due diligence to ask questions and really understand what you're doing. I guess we keep talking about experience versus younger staff. What do you think younger staff or less experienced staff need to know about standard of care versus duty of care based on kind of what we've talked through just now? Well, I have some takeaways and advice that I wanted to wrap up with at the end. So okay. those aren't the differences in standard and duty though. So 
I think so. So standards for me, what keeps coming out is I, I think the best way I'm going to remember standard of care is essentially compare it to industry standards like ASTMs and things like that. Right. There are set standards that we follow. So for example, you know, in my world, we do bolt inspection and we have standards for that, but there are also things that you just learn to do that are little variations that go a little further to make sure the product or the process is better. Will those also become standard? Because if others are doing them and on top of the regular standards, it can become standard and now you're expected to meet that standard. So I think as far as the difference in the two, though that's kind of one sample for me is follow the standards know the standards and then anything that gets added to that as a normal manner of practice becomes the standard so would those differences be something that would be explicit in specifications for the project so you have your plans and specifications that govern in a, and in my case in geotech sometimes they don't always incorporate everything from our report into the plans and specs and so sometimes that question comes up which one governs but if you generally test to what's in the plans and specs which is probably normally based on a standard you would be meeting the standard of care is that a fair statement I think in general, but again, as experts, we're sometimes expected to know a little more. And if you know, hey, I would expect with this type of project in this situation that they would have done X, but yet somebody kind of did a copy and paste with the specs and put in Y, it would be reasonable to expect, and that, I think that's where duty of care comes in. So now it's your duty to know a little bit more and point it out and say, hey, these might not be the right standards. Yeah, that's a good point because I think geotech-wise, we see that sometimes specifications are carried forward by, say, an architect from one project to another, and maybe they don't get us involved to review those like we always say they should. And there's certainly been compaction, kind of as you described, is one that seems to, to vary a lot because there are many different standards, well, four or two really standard and modified. And then also the percent compaction can vary depending on the materials. So that's one thing that we, we frequently see where one, they might not refer to a standard, they might just say of the maximum density, you know, this material should be compacted to 90% of the maximum density, but never, never specify the basis for that maximum density. So a contractor would assume the lowest standard, while the engineer might assume, you know, higher standard. That's something we have seen before where we, we go out to do the testing, haven't been asked to review the plans and specs, so we kind of are there for the first time and then notice this potential difference, I guess, in, in what we would expect to see versus what's actually in the plans and specs at that time. That reminds me of, and I can't even remember, I've done so many um, different interviews trying to wrap my head around the context of this specific episode. So I don't remember who said it, but one of the takeaways that I highlighted was just to remember for duty of care, an analogy that comes up in court is, we didn't do anything wrong, but we didn't do enough right. 
And I think that's a great takeaway there to tie in with what you're talking about. Sure. Maybe you just read the specs and followed them. You didn't do anything wrong, but we're professionals. Did we do enough right? Did we look a little further? Did we ask a few more questions? Wow. Now now you're worrying me more about why I do this for a living. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, we we said this last time. We don't want to stress out the youngsters. This is a great field, but we are also professionals and there is that higher standard that comes along with it. I think for me, having that training instilled at a young age was important. And I think, you know, the resources of GBA were something that were, you know, at the time it was ASFE was kind of drilled into me, kind of helped me develop my engineering judgment. And so it's definitely something that's been important and I think about and what a what a principal said to me when I was younger was are you comfortable saying that and I said well yeah I did the analyses whatever and he said okay would you be comfortable telling a judge that on the stand and so that's I kind of joke about it but it's kind of serious with other staff when they maybe don't take as much time as they should to evaluate something and they come to me with what they think the solution is and I say okay would you be comfortable explaining that to a judge on the stand just to just to make them think a little bit harder about we frequently go through and write these reports and some are pretty basic and maybe we get in the process of just perpetuating things forward without thinking through them because we think it's quote easy so i think it's important to think back to all of what we're talking about today the standard of care the duty of care why we're doing this and why it's important and i mean that that simple statement although kind of funny definitely frames it in a way that makes them think uh, harder about, you know, what they're doing and why they're doing it. So do you think in this industry that we're in that there's some, you know, secret handshake meetings where all the older people tell each other to do that to younger staff? Because that happened to me too. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Like, hey, uh, you got to be willing to say that on the stand. So do you support that claim? You know, I, I think I have to do the voice of the guy who hired <laughs> me when I do that. I, I think that must be a GBA best practices document out there somewhere. What what to say to uh, to scare younger staff straight. Right. 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 I love it. We're talking about standard and duty, and I gave kind of my analogy on standards. Um, I did have kind of a duty example that came to mind when I was doing the research for this as well. One thing that kept coming up was safety. I think it's easy to think about your duty as far as safety. Like if I'm on site and I'm doing my thing over here, but that thing's happening, at what point is it my duty to speak up? And do I have to act in the moment? Do I go tell my team leader, my boss, whoever? One uh, thing that I was thinking of and talked to our attorney about is, let's say we're on site and our weld inspectors see somebody walk in steel and they're not following the standards. So they're not our responsibility, right? It's the contractor's responsibility, but we witness it. So if we're called into court, we don't have a duty to save them, but we owe a duty of care to report the unsafe condition to someone. Wait, wait, what's, what does walking steel mean? Oh, yeah, that means you're literally walking steel. So as the building is going up, the building or structure, right, you first start setting the pieces of steel. And funny side note, steel erectors are one of the only industries that doesn't always have to tie off because they're setting the steel, right? There's often nothing to tie off to, even if you're 30 feet up. 
Mm. But that's what that means, walking steel. So let's say you set a couple columns and you got a couple beams going across and you need to walk across that highest beam to get to another connection because they're lifting a piece of steel over to it that needs to tie into it and you've got to line them up and bolt them or whatever. So that's walking steel. You're walking that beam. Okay. Like those old fashioned photos of the guys sitting on the beams suspended in the air having lunch. It's what we do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that's from my world, one little example of duty of care when it comes to safety, you know, it might be resteal, you might be out there checking a footing and then you hear somebody in a totally different area that you're not checking, but you hear him say, oh, we're on a number six rebar and somebody says, oh, that's fine. Put number five in. Right. So mm. those little things that could be a safety issue. You don't know but you know enough that you should probably just mention it to somebody and find out if it is a bigger deal. I think that's just some small examples of where duty of care can come into play for us. Yeah, that's a good point too about paying attention to what's going on regardless of whether you've been asked to look at that specifically, not that you ever necessarily have to comment on those things unless maybe it's an unsafe condition, but something that I didn't even realize people weren't doing until... You know, I had younger staff on a site. He sent me some pictures so I could look at what he was doing. And I saw something in the side of the picture. And I was like, well, what about that? He had come out to look at something completely different, hadn't considered that, which was, was a small potential safety concern as it related to the performance of the existing building they were adding on to. But yeah, I think so many times we get so focused on our job and what we're doing and the testing we're doing. Sometimes you don't kind of look at that bigger picture. And I think for me, that was something that definitely came with experience and training is considering not just what you're doing, but how your field in particular, you know, we wouldn't probably comment on steel because we're doing the geotechnical construction observation. But if they're doing excavation on another part of the site that we're not there to test, then we see they're creating an unsafe temporary slope condition or something. That might be something that we bring up. That comment that you made about something being in the photo that was one of my final takeaways and advice to field staff so i'll jump right into those if you don't have any last stories no that's perfect my first one was ask questions and know your scope i think the more you're willing to ask questions about hey what am i going out here for and why the more you're going to learn and learn quickly and understand what's behind what you're doing so i think that's takeaway number 1 and tying into that is understanding the purpose of your tests so if you're doing tests you need to understand why let's say some of the most basic stuff like you're casting concrete cylinders well what are those for understand that you've probably done a lab sometime in school and you know that they're going to get broken but what is actually going to happen to those cylinders they're going to sit somewhere for a couple days and start to cure and then they're going to go into a cure room and all that right but if you start to understand and think about okay so this is literally to make sure this pad is strong enough to support whatever is going on top of it at some point during construction, then you can think a little further about, well, I should probably make sure it's not sitting out here in the freezing cold and actually represents the conditions, you know, over there where the slab is covered. And then you might think differently about where to put them so that things are properly reflecting the actual conditions. So I think understanding your task, you know, understand what, why do we do a proctor, those kind of things 
will really help you know when something could be outside of the standard and be able to pick up little nuances and learn things. Yeah. Yeah. Nuances and variables was the next one. I think it's important to ask. So in our world, we call them team leaders, you know, whoever is training you to ask them, like, what are some of the shortcuts in the industry? Let's say you're checking concrete. They might say, oh, yeah, some shortcuts are like they add water to the truck all day long and that's not allowed. Here's why. Or different conditions that they might do or things they might change to shortcut things and basically ask, what are those things so I can be looking for them? Otherwise, you won't know until something comes up. Another one is be aware and present. And that's the one that really ties in with yours. Look around the site. Don't just focus on just what you have to do. Be aware. See the big picture. And one thing um, that our attorney said that made a good point, you know, is if a site isn't well run, if it's kind of messy and unorganized, chances are what you're checking is not going to be well done. So that'll be some indications to just pay extra attention to what you're doing and what's going on with your tests because you looked around a little bit. I like that one. My final, final takeaway, which came from our attorney, and he said that he thinks all younger field staff need to not be scared, but keep it in your mind that everything you text or write or notes you take you have to assume it will be read by somebody someday. And you have to also keep in mind that if it goes to a jury, they'll hear those things in sound bites. So if you say something just passive as a part of a bigger conversation, it could be taken out of context. It could be one day because that's what they hear are those little sound bites. They don't often hear the full story. So just be careful. Yeah, I think what you just described is is a whole other episode in its own documentation and you know what what becomes evidence and things like that that's that's another area that gets talked about a lot and we've been discussing that a lot recently any last takeaways any stories no i think i think you summed it up really well and i like that your examples are from a different field than than what i do because that that helps me think about things a little bit differently and and how we would apply that in geotech versus how you apply it in the inspections and observations you do so i like the mix of of examples well this has been another fun one i hope our listeners got something out of this completely confusing topic but still know in the end that just know your field do a good job and pay attention thank you for joining us for this episode of gba's audio education series we hope you found this conversation valuable and can use what you learned here Links to the original audio and all the resources we mentioned are included in the show notes. But before you go, don't forget to give us a review, hopefully five stars, and subscribe to the GBA podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes.